A lot of your behavior is based on things that you enjoy doing because it annoys other people. I don't know if you've noticed that about yourself. No, I have noticed that. You're sort of remarkably well-liked for somebody who (laughs) operates that way. I'm a lovable rogue. Welcome to RequestCast, the request-based podcast. Damn it, jump the gun. I'm Lewis Powell. And I'm Ben Heaton. And today's request comes from, quote, definitely someone other than Julia, end quote, who is requested, more RequestCast, please, more faster. And that is exactly what Julia is going to get today. Yeah, you will get more RequestCast. One episode more please. of RequestCast. Should we make it a longer it than be... usual episode? Yes, we should, Ben. This episode is going to be very long and very quick. Yeah, so let's talk quickly... I'm probably going to speed it up afterwards, so if you're one of the people who listens to podcasts at, like, double speed in your podcast listening device, this may become incomprehensible. <laughs> do you uh, ever do that? So, do I ever listen to... No. Well, I have on very rare occasion, but it so messes with the tone of people's conversations to do it that I just can't usually... Like, I just get distracted by the fact that they're, like, a quasi-chipmunk thing going on. Yeah, I do that sometimes, especially if I have a really long podcast that I want to listen to by a particular time. And I found that... <laughs> I get used to the tone shift after a little while. It's like a few minutes how, in. How often does that happen really to you? Doubling that, a few minutes. What? How often? How often does it happen to you that you're like, uh oh, I really want to listen to this podcast by six p.m. All right. Well, this happens to me uh, basically whenever there's a new Magic set coming out because I listen to a podcast that does a review of each of the cards, and I like to listen to that before going to the pre-release, which means listening through a very long recording. Hey, can you just say like three Magic cards that you like and why, so that we can also tackle this Chenjesu request that we've had for a while? That's not going to be its own episode. Sorry, Chenjesu. I think that should be its own episode, but I can name some right now if you want. Uh, do you not remember the time we tried to make it its own episode, and it was the worst episode we ever tried to make? No, no. The one we tried to do before was just talking about magic, and we picked a bad way of doing that, and ended up being terrible. <laughs> uh, which is why did. you, the listener, do not remember that. It was erased from history. Um. Right now, all I can think about is the Micro Machines guy who used to be on the commercials because he could talk really fast. Yeah. Yeah, we're doing a bad job of talking quickly. I feel like I'm talking at basically my normal speed, maybe a little bit faster than normal. Yeah, well, I usually talk pretty quickly, so I feel like maybe that's okay. Yeah, you you talk faster than I do. One of the main things that I get as feedback periodically in my role as a professor is, like, very enthusiastic, talks too quickly. Um, Which I feel like, on balance, I'll accept. That seems true of me. I talk too quickly and am very enthusiastic. Yeah, I'd say so. So... And you're especially enthusiastic um, about philosophy. I am. I love philosophy. Like it's there, pretty awesome. Like I feel like there are topics you could teach about where your enthusiasm would not come through. Could you name a couple of those? Because I don't believe you. Now, uh, if you're teaching about, like, optics, I don't think you'd be very enthusiastic about it. I mean, not to say that you're against optics or anything. I just Are we assuming Are we assuming that I've learned about optics before I try teaching about it, or are you assuming that I'm trying to teach about it with my current state of knowledge of optics? I'm assuming that you would learn a bit about it, but that you would not be especially motivated to doing so. That you'd like, say there's a computer mix-up and you have to teach an optics class next semester. So you would study up on it in advance for that. Just just to be clear, you understand that no matter what computer mix-up occurs this semester, it would get corrected before they let me teach an optics class? Like, it's, they're not just like, well, it's the computer says you teach an optics, so even though you are not credentialed to teach optics, go for it. Okay, let's say it was a supercomputer then. That's a higher authority. <laughs> 
Sorry, I don't know why that was so funny to me. <laughs> I think in order to make this episode longer, I'm going to loop you laughing a couple extra times. Go for it. <laughs> Sorry, I don't know why that was so funny to me. Yeah, um. but it'll still be sped up. I don't know why that was so funny to me. <laughs> yeah, so we'll assume... Why don't we just say a genie? Somebody makes a genie's wish that I have to teach an optics class, but I get some prep time. Right. And well, I think in that scenario... I can't scenario, do as well I would... as I could before. Are you holding your recording device differently? No, I don't okay, think so. coming through kind of quietly now. Uh-oh. Uh, that's not going to affect the end recording, though. But it might affect the part where we're having a conversation about that instead of having a conversation about... No, no, this uh, is good. This This is all going in the episode. Oh, yeah, that was a key part of your idea, was to keep it long, you're just not going to cut stuff out. Yeah, I'm going to do very minimal editing here. Nice. I, I mean, um, I'll be doing the extra editing steps of speeding it up and maybe playing several bits multiple times to pad it. We should listen, You should put in some, like, interludes of music as well. Yeah, maybe I'll play the opening theme a few extra times. Just no, I meant, middle. like, there's that song. What's that Blue Oyster Cult song that your family has a special fondness for? Uh, there are several, but I think you're thinking of the Godzilla one. Godzilla. That is what I'm thinking of. Yeah, so, like, just in the middle of the episode, be like, Godzilla. I don't remember Cult. how that song goes. Yeah. It's an Easter egg for our fans. Yeah. That's not an especially it's long song. I, it should be more like, next up we've got Inagata De Vita by Iron Butterfly. Or Whipping Post from Live at the Fillmore East by the Allman Brothers. That was like 20 minutes long. Yeah. It was a good performance. Yeah, I'm probably not going to actually put all those in. Okay. So I but feel you like making copyright in. music a big part of the episode seems odd. In fairness, it would be sped up. And so it would be fair use. I, I don't think that's what fair use means. <laughs> I, I'll tell you, I've gone on YouTube a lot, and I'm pretty sure that as long as you say, I claim no copyright, I don't own anything, you're you're clear, you're in the clear. Because that's what everybody does on, on YouTube. Well, anything on YouTube is, by definition, public domain. <laughs> because it's put up for the public to see. If any lawyers are listening, write in with your corrections. Or tell us that we're completely or, right. Or just people who know that we're wrong. Like, you don't need to be a lawyer. You could write in and tell us we're wrong just because it's obvious that we're wrong. Yeah, but um, then we have an excuse for not believing you. Uh... What was I going to say? Oh, were you the one I was talking to you about how sometimes when you want to watch a commercial, like somebody told you like that a commercial was interesting. So you never want to watch a commercial, I know. But yeah, somebody's I... like, oh, there's some commercial that like people are talking about. So you want to go watch it and there's a clip of it on YouTube. But then to watch it, they make you watch an ad before the commercial plays. Hello? Are you there? Yeah. Okay. You cut out a bit there. Oh, sorry. So sometimes on YouTube, you want to watch a commercial because like it's in the news. There was a there's like really adorable Super Bowl commercial or something. Well, there was like a really adorable Cheerios commercial where this little girl hears that it's heart healthy. And so she pours it all over her dad's shirt. But it was in the news because it was uh, the family that they cast was a mixed race family. Uh, and so people on YouTube were posting a bunch of like angry comments. And so I wanted to see what the commercial was to see what all the fuss was about. And it was a great commercial. I thought it was really cute uh, as far as commercials go. Um, but when I loaded it up to play on YouTube, it had an ad before the commercial. And I was like, you don't want to put barriers between me and watching your advertising. I'm already voluntarily watching the ad. Don't give me extra ads. Well, yeah, but the ad that you wanted to watch wasn't one that YouTube had partnered with that company to show you. Yes. Like, they might not have a deal with whatever serial company it is you like the commercials of. It was Cheerios. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to avoid knowing things about the brand. General Mills. My I, hometown... I my hometown smells like Cheerios. Did you know that? No, I didn't. They make t-shirts that say it because the General Mills grain silos are here. And so it frequently smells in certain parts of the downtown area like Cheerios. I kind of like that smell. It's a pretty good smell. Yeah. 
Although it would be nicer if it smelled like Honey Nut Cheerios, I think. Ooh, yeah. This portion of RequestCast brought to you by General Mills. Well, brought to you by Lewis's Taste in Cereal. Yeah, that, that is brought to you by General Mills. Yes. <laughs> it was brought to me by General Mills, <laughs> for sure. Um, okay, so where were we in the larger scheme of things? Uh, we are delivering more RequestCast more faster. We could probably just be faster about it. Do you think faster just means in terms of how quickly it gets put up online? Yes. Okay. I believe So I think technically you could satisfy this if you just posted this one the day after we record it instead of like a month later. Yeah, which yeah, maybe I'll do. Uh, but I also like the idea of it being sped up. Actually, let's find out whether I do. Listeners, I am currently speaking on September 12th, 2013. See, now they'll know how quickly it got put up online. <laughs> No, I know, but part of my mind was wait. Like part of me, even though I knew it was crazy, was like waiting to see if anything happened after you said that. Like, <laughs> like time travelers like showing notice. up, <laughs> or like somebody eyeing me to be like, "Yep, got it on time." Because <laughs> sometimes I sometimes I think about it like it is live as we're doing it because we frequently talk as though it is being it is being broadcast live, even though we know that it's not going out live. Yeah, I, I usually don't mention anything too timely on it because I want people to have the illusion that. They're hearing it soon after we recorded it, or maybe even while we're recording it. And whenever there is time, it's because we're intentionally misunderstanding when holidays are. Yes. Yeah, oh, I don't think I would I want to record a Christmas episode on actual Christmas. Yeah, that probably wouldn't be fun. Yeah, I, I, don't, um, I don't want to spend like the day or two after Christmas frantically doing podcast editing so that it's out before January. Yeah, that would be, un, that would be unpleasant. So, let's see. What else? Faster. Yeah, I know, but the problem is Faster. normally we have normally we have more to go on than just to keep talking for an hour. This is like oh. this is like a nightmare about going on a telethon. We should sell people tote bags. Uh, I do have a couple spare tote bags around. All right, anybody who calls in in the to next ben, ten minutes from when you hear it, anybody who calls in within ten minutes of hearing this, within gets a tote bag from Ben within ten minutes of me posting it. Nope, within ten minutes of them hearing it. It's okay, I, Ben. I Most of them bags. don't have your phone number. Some, <laughs> Most of them, some don't of them have your do. Phone Are they the sort of people who would want a tote bag? If it's free, yeah. Who wouldn't? Uh, can we... You know what? Here's what I'm going to do, because I got you in a position now where you're forced to let me do this. Can we talk about the French Revolutionary Calendar and the naming system that they used, because I love it, and you had to cut it out of the episode about... Was it the Eight Days a Week episode? Was that the one? Yeah, the Thunder Day one. Okay, so tell me about the French okay, Revolutionary uh, first Calendar. First of all, I think it's the French Republic Calendar. I'm looking it up. Yeah, they had a system where there was a 10-day week, and I believe each month was exactly three weeks long. Uh, well, they had they had uh, 12 months. Yeah, I, I remember a couple of the names offhand, but I'm not looking at a list of them right now. I know Thermidor is the famous one, because Lobster Thermidor is indirectly named after it. Yeah, wait, so here's, so here's what I loved about it. Uh, each season had its own suffix for the month names. Right, there's Thermidor, so Fructidor, and two others. No, Mesidor. There's just three for summer. Mesidor means uh, harvest heat. Uh, Thermidor, no, the heat means is from the thermal part. Uh, so Fructidor, Thermidor, and Mesidor were the summer months, and they were harvest, heat, and fruit. Uh, then the autumn months were Vendemiere, Brumaire, and Frimaire uh, for grape harvest, fog, and frost. And you have to love the French having a harvest month and then a separate month called okay. grape harvest. Uh, then there's Nivos, Pluvios, and Ventos. Ah, uh, yeah, Pluvios. Are... That's one of the ones I remember since it's such a made-up sounding name. It means rainy month. Yeah, but it's clearly something that somebody made up, like looking through their Latin dictionary or whatever for inspiration. Yeah. Well, all words are made up, so it's okay. So Nivos is snowy month, Pluvios is rainy month, and Ventos is windy month. And then spring, there's Germinal, Florial, and Prairial for germination, flower, and pasture. And, those, and then those do a good job of the... 
giving little clusters of meaning associated with the seasons. And here's the best part. In Britain, a contemporary wit, I presume they mean contemporary of the calendar, not contemporary of Wikipedia. Okay, so part of why I cut it from the previous episode was that was just a lot of us reading Wikipedia. In fairness, we need to make this episode last, so I'm going to read this one paragraph. All right. In Britain, a contemporary wit mocked the Republican calendar by calling the months wheezy, sneezy, and freezy, slippy, drippy, and nippy, showery, flowery, and bowery, weedy, heedy, and sweetie. All right, so when do they say a contemporary wit, contemporary to the introduction of this calendar or contemporary to that Wikipedia article? I think contemporary to the, to the calendar, but I also think the more important thing is that when they call it a wit, <laughs> that might be stretching it. Yeah, that's not NPOV. <laughs> oh my god, you have to make that edit. <laughs> a contemporary wit, citation needed. Do you remember our days of Wikipedia uh, editing? Yeah. Uh, man, I, I don't want to go into too much detail about the good things we did there, because some of them are still up and I do not want them removed. No, no, no. But I'm talking about the times when we would just get involved in, like, deletion debates. Yes. Uh, and we we just took strongly pro-don't-delete things stances. That was amazing. Well, like, uh, sometimes you would, we would do the opposite. Like, you tried to get that article about, what, Anabasi deleted? That's an about ancient, what? Yeah, some ancient type of messenger. Like, you, you said it should be deleted because it's a neologism. <laughs> yeah, I chose an ancient Greek word and accused it of being a... And, and people actually went along with that. Yeah. Uh, oh, man. Encyclopedia by Democracy is the weirdest idea, I think. It's weird how well it works, really. I mean, it's riddled with problems, but for the most part, it works. I, I am sad about what happened to the Plastic Welding Rods article, though. What, what happened to the Plastic Welding Rods article? All right, okay, so some backstory here. On Request Comics, somebody sent a request saying that I should look at a random Wikipedia page or something, and I got the Plastic Welding Rods article, which was pretty terribly written at the time. So I made a comic telling my readers to go improve it if they could, and they did. They added a lot of great information. They fixed all the typos and grammar mistakes. They're adding pictures and such. And, like, a year or two later... It got deleted, and supposedly the content was all merged into the plastic welding article, but it wasn't really. Aren't there people who, uh, wasn't there that guy who was, like, hosting his own mirror of Wikipedia that didn't delete anything? Oh, yeah. Is that still There are a lot of mirrors of Wikipedia out there, but, yeah, I remember there was the guy who had that as some kind of political anti-deletionist statement. I'm looking to see, you know how about.com sometimes just does a whole plastic, uh, just does a whole mirror of an article? Yeah. I was looking to see if maybe there was an about.com article about plastic welding rods that had all the... Yeah, and... Like, plastic welding in general, you can find out about that on Wikipedia, but there's no article that just focuses on the rods now. Unless that's changed. It was, like, a year or two since I last checked that. Well, you know what they say. Spare the rod, spoil the child. Not really relevant here, but it was a thing that I remembered when you said that. Yeah, my takeaway from it was that anything that's done on Wikipedia is written on water. (laughs) Uh. If you want to make a lasting contribution, go elsewhere. What's that one that the other guy was doing? The, the, like, the one that was supposed to be written by experts? Uh, Encyclopedia Britannica? <laughs> no, no, it was a web-based one that was supposed to be still a distributed encyclopedia, but written by people who knew what they were talking about. I don't know. Was it, like, Newopedia? I, I guess it didn't catch on. Uh, was Larry... Anyway. I mean, the whole crowdsourcing thing does have pretty major advantages. Yes. Uh, of course, they, I mean, it also has major disadvantages. As with, as with many things in life, there are costs and benefits. Do the costs outweigh the benefits, though? That's the question that we have to ask ourselves in general. Yeah, like, do the benefits of getting more request cast more faster outweigh the costs of it being kind of an unfocused episode? <laughs> oh, that reminds me. I don't know if you've been following, but I'm going to be a hockey fan this year. Oh, yeah, I heard that on the Facebooks. Yes. 
So I've been learning. I've been like trying to like, I, so here's the thing. My Doctor Who blog is really just me uh, taking the piss out of Doctor Who yeah. because it's ridiculous. Yeah, uh, and, and, it's like, a good I can't, blog for that. Uh, yes, and I can't uh, take it Doctor seriously. That's drhuh.tumblr.com. Yeah. Yes, drhuh.tumblr.com. T-U-M-B-L-R, no E. <laughs> and when we say dot, we mean you put a, a period sign. Don't type the word dot. Or if you're British, a full stop. I think that's if you're from Western Telegram, not <laughs> if you're British. British people don't call it a period? I don't think so. I feel like I interact with enough British people that I would have noticed if they don't use that word. Well, they probably just say dot in URLs the same way we do. Yeah, okay. So anyway... I'm pretty sure they don't call uh, dot com something different. Full stop com. I kind of like that. Anyway, where were we? Uh, I was talking about my hockey fandom. Oh, so, yes. Have you picked so, a team? I have. The Buffalo Sabres, because I live in Buffalo. And Good. the other team that makes sense was would have been the Blackhawks, because I'm from Chicago. But they just won last year, and that seems like a... You're not going to get the full experience if you're not rooting for some underdogs, it seems. Yeah. You could pick the Maple Leafs for their interesting plural. Oh my god! I actually had a discussion with somebody about that really? on Facebook, because I called them the Maple Leaves, and they were like, Nuh-uh, that's not how it works. And they explained why. Do you know why they don't pluralize it with the VES? I guess same reason... The plural of Mickey Mouse would be Mickey Mouses? Uh, yes. Well, similar. They're not, they are named not in honor of the piece of botanical detritus. I don't know what, it, not, they're not named after the actual stuff on trees. They are named after a regiment of the military. Oh, really? Uh, huh. that was called Maple Leaf. And so that's why it's a proper name and it's pluralized with just the S at the end. So much like the Mickey Mouse case. Okay, but was that regiment named after the botanical feature? I, I think so, or, but I'm not sure. They could have been named after the feature of the Canadian flag. That's possible. Which I believe was in turn inspired by the actual leaf. <laughs> Based on a novel inspired <laughs> by the best-selling plant life. So, yeah, so I went with the Sabres. Also because if I'm going to be a fan of a team, I might as well be a fan of a team where I might run into other fans regularly. Mm -hmm. at, like when I go watch games. And also where I could maybe go see the games pretty easily in person. Yeah, and so the Sabres were good. to do that with a home team. But I was definitely told that if I'm picking a team, I'm already doing it wrong. Yeah, you should, pick, you should be rooting for the one that speaks to you, that you identify with. But the problem is if I do that, then I just don't do the project. So the project is for me to earnestly like, to, to earnestly make an earnest attempt to like hockey for at least one hockey season. So that's what I'm doing. And I, and I, and like, that's why it's importantly different from Dr. Ha, because Dr. Ha is sort of dripping with sarcasm, but my, I'm going to try and be like a genuine hockey fan and see how that goes. Have you gotten into any sports fandoms before? Or is this your first for that in general? No, I've, I, yeah, I've literally never cared about sports ever in my life, except if you count watching Friday Night Lights, which is a great TV show. I, I don't think that counts. I didn't care about the football. I mostly cared about Coach Taylor and Tammy Taylor. What about watching Sports Night? Uh, yeah, Sports Night was not really about sports either. Was it about night? No, it was mostly about the relationship of the characters making the TV show that happened to occasionally mention sports. Maybe you'll find that the same is true of hockey fandom. <laughs> it's possible. But I've been like, I've been, I started reading blogs that talk about what's going on with the teams. Good. And like, I started following a bunch of the players on Twitter. Um, and, uh, and one of the players is named Jamie McBain. Uh, and since I grew up watching The Simpsons, I just decided I'm going to be excited about that until I figure out uh, good hockey reasons to be excited about things. Sure. Have you started referring to the team as we? Not, not, uh, not organically. Okay. I did, I did do it once, but it was intentional rather than automatic. Ah. So I, I'm, I am going to mark when I do it uh, unconsciously rather than intentionally. I'm going to. I have a blog, saberrattling.tumblr.com. Couldn't believe that wasn't taken. Oh really? Is that spelled in the usual way? Or? S a b r e r a t t l i n g. Nicely done. Yeah. So the title of the blog, though, is officially Lewis Tries Liking Hockey. That's what it says at the top when you load up the blog. That's to the point. Yes. It's, it is an important summary of my goal. And then also that way if people read it, they're like, oh, I see. This is someone who doesn't know anything about hockey and is trying to figure it out. Right, but you're actually trying to figure it out. It's not like you're going to be 
writing from intentional naivete for humor value. Right. I'm not going to be writing from intentional naivete for humor value. And I'm also not going to be sarcastic about it. I'm going to like, I'm going to genuinely attempt to be excited. Uh, and I have an easy time getting excited about things. So I think it should be possible. Yeah, I've noticed uh, that. Uh, hang on. That's part of why if I were teaching the optics class, which we didn't finish, I would totally be enthusiastic. Because once I figured out what it was that I wanted to convey to people, I would be excited about it. Would you really? Yeah. Do you know Brooke Spinoza in, like, invented, uh, well, I don't know if he invented, he, he was a glass grinder, and he made lenses professionally. Okay. And George Barclay also was really into optics. In fact, Barclay's New Theory of Vision is one of my favorite things that I've read, and it's a work of optics. Like, pre-science optics, but it's still optics. Is that the sort of material you would be covering in the class, though? I don't know. Well, you didn't tell me what class I got assigned. If it was the history of optics, then sure. No, it's like uh, intermediate optics, 302. Oh, no, then, yeah, then I wouldn't get to talk about Barclay as much. I would still talk about him periodically. Yeah, you'd be trying to work Hume into it whenever you could. Not Hume. I don't, I don't see a natural connection for Hume in an optics class. Well, what if you had a prism that could separate out just a single shade of blue? That's the opposite of what you'd need. you need a prism that displays all but one shade of blue, Ben. <laughs> and then you would infer the missing shade. No, so the thing about Barclay, as long as we're on this, I'll talk about it, that works. So the thing yeah. about Barclay's new theory of vision uh, is that the view that he was arguing against is the sort of view that sounds all right at first, but when you start thinking about it, you're like, oh, actually, that's totally right, Barclay. Your criticisms are all amazing. Because the view was that everybody was doing calculus in their head all the time right? to figure out how far away things were. Like when you saw something as far away, the reigning view before Barclay entered the scene was that you were literally doing like tangents and cosecants and stuff. Uh, to calculate the angle subtended at the eye uh, to determine, like, the arc distance or whatever of the thing. Right. Um, which, like, that seems totally natural because that's how some system is going to process that information that way. Yeah, I mean, that's how I look at things. <laughs> but Barclay pointed out, like, you don't actually see rays coming off of all of the things that you're looking at, so it's not like there's actual lines that you can be measuring the angles of, and you're not measuring those angles. Rather, he thinks we're sort of built by God so that uh, we respond to changes in those features by forming beliefs about distance, but we don't do the calculus ourselves. Wait, and who does? once you hear the thought, uh, it's sort of built in, like uh, there's a calculator somewhere in your mind or body. Not mind, probably body. Uh, God like did some the gland. calculus for you. Yeah. God did the calculus for you, basically. Okay. The point is... Until Barclay comes on the scene, you're like, oh, yeah, this all sounds good. But then Barclay points out that it's that what the view that was around before sounded like was that everybody was doing calculus all the time to figure out whether something was further away than something else. And Barclay's like, people don't know calculus uh, until way after they know near and far. Wait, do you really need calculus for it? Couldn't you get by with just some basic trigonometry, such as a child or infant would know? <laughs> That's a good point, Ben. I, I neglected to think about the trigonometric knowledge that infants have. So anyway, it's like, but like... I know it sounds ridiculous now because we have like a full-blown uh, independent science of optics, but in Barclay's day, like that was a major contribution to the debates on optics. Sure. Yeah, a lot of stuff that looks obvious in retrospect took some actual hard work to develop. Like that Columbus trick with the egg. I was thinking like calculus itself. I don't know that, I mean, very few people look at calculus and they're like, well, that's obvious. Well, how else could it be? <laughs> I mean, I... <laughs> oh, are you, are you, are you subtly parodying as Eliezer right now? Is that... Is that what you're doing? Kind of, yeah. <laughs> oh, are you caught up on uh, Harry Potter and the methods of uh, being a totally arrogant guy? Uh, not if it has updated in the last couple weeks. Or, or not if it's updated in the last month, actually. Then you should check. I think there's been a couple updates that you okay. missed. Oh, I, I will check that out. Damn it, we can't talk about it now. We can't spoil it for all of our listeners. Right, uh, and you didn't give the actual name, so we should probably mention that we're talking about Harry Potter and the methods of rationality. Yes. 
I, I'm not certain how much we're endorsing that. But I think it's worth reading. I mean, I don't do a lot of things in my life ironically, but I think uh, if I did anything in my life ironically, reading that is the thing I'm doing ironically. There are sections that I think you enjoy just straight up sincerely. Yeah, because I don't really do anything in my life entirely ironically. Right. Uh, I guess actually the biggest contender would be the Doctor Who watching. <laughs> Except I'm sincere about how much I think it's... I feel like that started out from genuinely wanting to know what there is to it. I think it, well, yeah, but then everybody lied to me. <laughs> everybody, all the Doctor Who fans were like, it gets really good. And then they would say times at which it gets really good. And they were wrong. It does not get really good at those times. Well, it gets really good later on. You just haven't gotten there yet. That's why I've diagnosed a new condition. <laughs> Stockholm Syndrome. For the people who've convinced themselves that they like the show. Oh, although some people, uh, and I give them credibility, think that if I watch the classic stuff with the first and the fourth Doctor, I would enjoy them. The first Doctor was when it was just an old man showing his granddaughter stuff about history, right? Yeah, basically. I, I like to tell people that's my favorite of the Doctors because sometimes it annoys people. A lot of your behavior is based on things that you enjoy doing because it annoys other people. I don't know if you've noticed that about yourself. No, I have noticed that. You're sort of remarkably well-liked for somebody who <laughs> operates that way. I'm a lovable rogue. <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember when we used to throw nets on Reed? <laughs> okay, you threw nets on him more than I did. <laughs> we both threw nets on him, though. But I guess just the fact that I have to phrase that as a comparison says something. <laughs> For our listeners, who we've started ignoring at this point in the conversation, <laughs> Reed was a friend of ours in college, and there's no particular reason why we threw the net on him, except if you were going to throw a net on someone, you'd pick him. Like, that's, that's just, it was pretty obvious. I don't think he was the only one who got the net thrown on him. True, but he didn't get it the most. I think you especially were pretty indiscriminate with that. Because it was uh, we were trying to introduce our new our new way of saying uh, nice to meet you, which was pleased to, to net your acquaintance. Yeah, we, we had a lot of net-related puns that someone just, like, net to meet you. Yeah. But they got more forced. <laughs> yeah, pleased to net your acquaintance. Which later made its way into Terror Island. Like, we would have characters meet each other in Terror Island and say pleased to net your acquaintance, like that's a normal thing to say when meeting someone. We did. It was, in fact, we made it the case that it was the standard form of uh, of introduction. What was the other thing we did that was crazy? Where we had you had a you had an alternate calendar for the Ben Heaton interest floor. So oh right, okay. So Lewis and I lived on the computer interest floor, which was this special housing thing. It was basically this floor of one of the buildings where people who had an interest in computers could live. Broadly construed, like yeah. if you owned a computer, that was sufficient to establish your interest. And but actually, not necessary. I think we had, yeah, we had people on the floor who did not have computers. I think. Yeah, but if you express an interest in them, yeah, it was the it was so there were two, there were three geeky, or there were three sort of nerd culture or like, uh, so there, we had fraternities or whatever on the campus, but there were three groups of special, four groups of special interest housing. There was myth, the music interest floor. Yeah, which was even more vaguely defined than computer interest floor, because, like, who doesn't have some interest in some music? I thought it was supposed to be for making music. I mean, maybe, but I don't think it was a requirement to live on the floor. Yeah, I, I don't really know way. much about them, which is odd, because I think they were ostensibly our rivals. Um, and then there was the computer uh, the computer learning center. No, not computer learning center. The, the community learning center, which is where the sort of hippie types, like, um, people who like to do juggling and uh, walk on tightropes, so now I'm making it sound more like they all worked for the carnival, but it was like the hippie types who enjoyed those activities. Yeah. People might be hacky sacking there. Yeah, nice folks. And then uh, there was Drama House. Drama House, which actually tended to be people who were involved in the com college drama community in some way or another. And then those were the four like non-fraternity interest housing groups. And Ben and I lived on the computer interest floor. Uh, and I don't remember how there came to be a Ben Heaton interest floor, but there was. Oh, that was when, uh, yeah, the idea was that I was seceding from the computer interest floor and forming sort of a micronation. This was inspired by reading about Sealand and such. 
do you remember why you did that? Was it like the computer interest floor people who ran it made a decision you didn't like? Or I, I don't know if it was inspired by some minor grievance or if it was just. I think it might have just been that I was trying to trick people into joining and then trying to collect dues from them. Right. Yes. Uh, and then you had your own calendar that had. Uh... Uh, you came up with the calendar for it, actually. Yes, I did. I don't remember how it worked, except that we had we celebrated Biff Lent more than once. Or was it Biff Dependence Day? I don't remember. There was some holiday that we celebrated uh, like an arbitrary number of times per regular calendar year. Right. Uh, although I think that if I had to name our best caper, it would be uh, the Urbane. did the Sealand trick on, was it Joe at the time? What was the Sealand trick? Uh, uh, whoever the president of SIF was at the time, you drafted a letter to present to him uh, asking him to officially recognize Biff as a separate interest floor. And you, <laughs> oh, yeah. And he, and he signed he, it? He signed it saying no or... I think you had, like, checkboxes or something, so we had a letter signed by the SIF president addressed to the Ben Heaton interest floor, which is the oh, sort yes. of thing that Sealand <laughs> does to claim that it's been recognized as a sovereign nation. Right. No, I was going to say our best caper was the Urbane Caveman. Was that Biff-related? No, no, no. I was saying our best caper in general, not oh, okay. Biff's best caper. Yeah, that was a good one. Ben, I just group all of our hijinks together under the category Ben and Lewis hijinks. Oh, remember when I had that sidekick and the two of us were always scheming to steal your iPhone? Is this Goofy Ben? Yeah. It wasn't an iPhone. I didn't have an iPhone at the time. Oh, iPod, maybe it was some sort of electronic device. Shoes? You were stealing my shoes. I remember that. I didn't steal your shoes. <laughs> oh, right. I just lost them, but you acted like you stole them. Right, I wanted to add some excitement to the mystery. <laughs> you just claimed credit for stealing my shoes. <laughs> yeah, that was Goofy Ben. That I did not like the team of Crazy Ben and Goofy Ben. Oh, yeah, and there were a lot of Bens around at the time, so we all had nicknames. Like there was Smiley Ben and Berserk Ben and probably some others. Who was Berserk Ben? I don't remember. I think he was named that because he liked the old game Berserk. Oh, okay. I remember you were Crazy Ben. Yeah, but that's an ironic nickname because I was so sane. Like calling a fisherman Leo. <laughs> yes. Oh, wow. Uh, so I hope Julia appreciates, or sorry, definitely not Julia. Whoever it was that requested this episode had better appreciate that we're basically just giving more podcast as fast as we can. We still actually have a little while, by the way, Ben, before we're uh, an especially long episode. How long has it been? Well, the timer right now is at almost an hour, but that includes the episode we recorded just before. Right, well, recording that one took about 15 minutes. So we're at like 45 minutes right Okay, now. but keep in mind, I'm not going to be editing out any of it. Or maybe yeah, but we have an episode that's... Much. We have a couple episodes that are upwards of an hour yeah, normal. Yeah, that's for like letter reviews, things that have to be really long. This is going to I'm be saying, a long one for really what long. it is. No, this is more podcast, more faster. There are so many mores in there. Yeah, but that can mean a lot of things. Like, I think the second one is just relating to faster. I, well, I understand the second one is... Like, it should be more fast than the other episodes. I'll add some sound effects of, like, cars zooming around. Actually, I won't, because that no, sounds could... like it would be terrible. Oh. And you can also pad it by putting in some songs. Yeah, I'm not sure about that. I, I feel a little awkward using too many songs in this. Fair enough. I might just repeat part. Maybe I'll just have the entire conversation play twice. <laughs> but we need to do something and be like, all right, but now the second time... Lewis is keeping a secret from Ben, and now it changes the whole interpretation of the episode. What if the second you know time it sped up even faster? Uh, I feel like that's too reminiscent of those songs that people sing when they're kids, where they have to speed up every every verse. Uh, yeah, those, uh, I want to say rounds, but that's not really how a round is. Right. Let's call it a square. Sure. Um, so, let's see. Other good hijinks or capers of ours? It was, uh, I remember doing some good hijinks with Reed. What are you talking about, the bouncy balls? Oh, no, I forgot about that. That was good. That, that was mostly Reed's doing. Yeah. Did you hear... Th Wait, have you heard that there's an actual prankster group on campus now? I'm not. Like, uh, they... officially recognized or underground? Uh, Rochester prank group. I mean, they have a name. So there was, a, there was an article that was getting posted around. 
this group called hang on i have to make sure oh i've muted the, the what are they nope, called I, I remember there used to be one like decades before we were there called the azariah booty society it's not the azariah booty society it's called the chamber boys the chamber what boys chamber boys okay uh, i'm not going uh, to and i'm not going to add out the parts where i'm having connection issues and asking you to repeat things by the way normally i would but now we yeah. are decade to more podcasts more faster yes and faster does not mean that we're doing this the max power way um, so the prank that people were posting was this guy who's a member of this group went into a classroom before the professor got there. Uh, it was like intro. It was like freshman chem class. And he did this whole, like, how many of you want to be doctors? All right. One th- everybody put your hands up. This third, keep your hands up. Everybody else put your hands down. That's how many people are going to pass this class. And he did like a whole like rigmarole <laughs> thing. And then the actual professor walked in, in the middle of him doing this. And then he ran out. Nice. Um, I feel like it's a little bit low grade f- to call it a prank. I mean, like, yeah, I mean, if it, you could probably do some more prankish version of that, like give out assignments and have people worried about them before finding out that, no, that's not the professor. He did make up a rule that people weren't allowed to use their, their uh, laptops in class, and most of them closed their laptops right away. That's a good rule. But then they could bring them out again when the real professor came in. So uh, real professor could learn a few things from that prankster. Yeah. Uh, anyway, I don't think it compares to the bouncy ball prank, so. No. So unfortunately, I remember later that got kind of official recognition as a thing that was going to happen. It was a little bit depressing when it got co-opted by the by the man. Yeah, all gentrified. Um, gentrified. Yeah, that was the problem with it. Um, no, it was good. It was good because it was a self-cleaning prank. If you didn't use too many bouncy balls, that's what Reed figured out. That was uh, that's what the person who remained nameless figured out. That was so good. Uh, oh no, actually, the, the administration knew it was him. Yeah, if you don't use way too many, then people will pocket some of the souvenirs and just leave with them, and that fixes everything. If you use like 2,000 or less for the University of Rochester's D-Day, then they all get picked up pretty much. And there's nothing left for like janitors to clean up. By the way, the prank is you go up to a big open area in a communal communal building and you go up to a sky bridge that's going across and you just drop bouncy balls into the lower level uh, food court area and they bounce. And people love that. Super balls have a 99% bounce coefficient. Is that a real science thing or is that just marketing? I could see that being real. I mean, they probably just call it elasticity or something though, right? They don't call it a bounce coefficient. I think coefficient makes sense here. Yeah. Anyway, so as long as you use the right number, then people pick them up and take them with them, and then you don't get a whole uh, mess that the custodians have to clean up after. Right, because you don't want your prank to be on the custodians. You want your prank to be on the man, the system. Or the people eating in the food court. That's the other people you want the prank to be on. Yeah, well, ideally it's some stuffy high society types trying to eat there and getting interrupted by all this merriment. Yeah, Uh, that'd be awesome. Sadly, there are very few, like, 1930s, uh, like, aristocrats sitting in the pit at Wilson Commons, yeah, with, so... With, like, a frock coat and monocle and all. You know what was a good prank, though, was the architecture of Wilson Commons. That was a good <laughs> prank that I.M. Pei or his assistant pulled on the university. Yes. I, I like that building. I like the building. Like, I have a fondness for it. But, like, there were 30 outer doors that led to literally two inner doors. So it's like, a, uh, you know, the set of doors where there's, like, a... A mini foyer, right? So there's the outer, the doors that lead to the outside, and then the doors inside that before you get actually into the building. Right. But they didn't match the numbers at all. So like there were thirty ways to get from the to get from the outside into the the middle of holding pen area, and then only two doors to get all the way in. And then this all funneled directly to a spiral staircase large enough for one person. <laughs> it was, and there's a bunch of acute angles, which is the worst construction idea anybody's ever had. A lot of empty space in in there too, in the higher up areas. It's all these walkways yes. going across a big open part. But I actually kind of like that because that meant that even when you were down on the first floor, you got a nice big skylight thing going. Yeah, I think it was. I think it was pretty expensive to maintain. Like I remember there being issues with like the big glass windowy area. Oh yeah, that's probably true. 
You're listening to several hours of Ben and Lewis reminiscing about college. (laughs) This shouldn't actually be several hours, by the way. I don't want to record this for that long. Ben and I actually uh, spent a lot of time in Wilson Commons because we were both on the newspaper. Yes. And so we had to be in the basement of Wilson Commons a lot. Uh, Yeah, though we weren't really getting to see... Late at night. ...the building very well during that. No, sometimes we were having protracted arguments about whether or not a really bad pun could be one of the headlines. And... To Ben's credit... Well, the issue there wasn't that was a really bad pun. The issue was it was a really bad pun that didn't actually make any sense for the topic. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say, to Ben's credit, he was siding against the pun in this instance, but... Yeah, we were on the same the side of that. We were usually on the same side of arguments there, actually. I think that's because we both had at least minimal concern with the newspaper not being embarrassing. Yeah, which is a little odd, but true. Yes. Oh, and this is why we never actually got around to explaining why we made the Urbane Caveman, which was... Or what it is. <laughs> Yeah, this is kind of a rambly episode. That's fine. That's she. She wanted more podcasts, more faster. This is what she gets. Yeah, maybe it'll sound less rambling when I speed it up. <laughs> that's how you solve Problem. that issue, right? <laughs> yeah. More podcasts, more faster, Ben. That's our new slogan. Yeah, uh, we really haven't been trying to talk quickly at all. Yeah, but you were going to speed it up, so that's why. I gave yeah, up but on maybe caring. we should be doing both of those things. How about this? Is this fast? See, I can't really talk that quickly anyway. I mean, I could, but it's going to be even more rambly because I'm just going to have to start filling in with stuff that doesn't make any sense. Like, I'm going to start talking about the urbane caveman, but I'm not actually going to pay attention to where the sentence is going when I start talking. And so I'm just going to be going, like, on and on about the urbane caveman. And I'm going to be like, I always thought that the mascot for the urbane caveman was Captain Caveman, but we still haven't explained what the urbane caveman was. But now I'm thinking about Captain Caveman and how he used to throw his uh, club thing, and that's how he flew, if I remember correctly. Right, he would just hold on to it and let the momentum carry him. That's also how Thor used to fly in the comics. No, he used a hammer. <laughs> oh. Oh, man, Ben. <laughs> oh, I think my favorite style of joke that you ever do, though, is the one where you... Well, it's two. One is where you bait somebody into saying something. Uh, it's probably usually me. I feel like I'm the most common target. Where you're like, what's that movie where the guys are wedding crashers? And then I'm like already answering you by the time I realize that you clearly know the answer. Right, like, what, what's that Bonnie Tyler song that... Sorry? Like, what's that Bonnie Tyler song that those guys did a cover of by destroying... Oh, you're, you're breaking up. Hang on, you're breaking up a little bit. Uh, how about now? Say that again. All right, take two. So, like, what's that Bonnie Tyler song that we saw that cover of online with the guys destroying a kitchen? The one that's about a total eclipse of a heart? Yeah, and usually I would start answering total eclipse of the heart before you say that last bit. And then I'm like, grr, Ben. Yeah, that's, so I like that one. That style works well on, like, AIM or something, where it's obvious that I've just sent something while you were typing in. The messages both get displayed at about the same time. Yes. Just out of curiosity, are you still using AOL Instant Messenger? or Because I'm fully Gchat now. I haven't logged on to AOL in a I'm mostly Gchat, but I'm usually still... I usually have AIM going in the background, but I hardly ever talk to people in that now. Um, but then my other favorite joke you do is the one where you do the double correction. So somebody's like, what's that movie where Humphrey Bogart is like trying to help people get out of Morocco? Uh, and then you're like, oh, you're not thinking of Humphrey Bogart. You're thinking of Robert De Niro. And that's not uh, trying to get people out of Morocco. It's trying to overthrow the totalitarian government in Terry Gilliam's Brazil. Yeah. Where you just switch, to- like you basically just switch the topic entirely and start talking about whatever you're interested in. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's what that's my favorite style of joke that you have. Did we do that all in Terror Island? I feel like we did something like that in it. I don't know that we did. We should have. It feels that's like a very question. Terror Island sort of thing. Yeah, I mean, I feel like we did things that were thematically similar in Terror Island. Yeah, like like when we had the the henchman point out to the to the supervillain that. Um, uh, he needs to get defeated, otherwise... Wait, I don't remember how we did it. It was, there was, it, it was they were like genre, two... I guess what you, these days TV tropes, people would call them being genre savvy. Uh, they probably even have some cute name for it, like too genre savvy to live or something, for like the degree that we were doing. Genre savvy double cross. 
double backgammon genre savviness. <laughs> oh man, do you remember what was the th- what was the thing where where Eli had all the uh, oh. where, where Unwinder had all the 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 making fun of TV tropes, but good naturedly? That was my right, favorite. In tall comics. Have we plugged tall <laughs> comics on the podcast at all? Because if not, we should. Yeah, if anybody's still listening at this point, you should read Unwinder's Tall Comics. It's at tallcomics.com. I'm pretty sure people are still listening, by the way. <laughs> are you? Yeah. Okay, here's how we're going to tell. Here's how we're going to tell. If you are listening to this part of this episode, just uh, text, send an email, text the word banana, do something. Uh, just notify us so that we get a sense of how many people made it this far in the episode. You, I'm talking to you, person who's still listening. Let us know. I'm not getting any banana messages from anyone. I don't expect to get them yet. You haven't posted the episode. Okay. Uh, so the Urban Caveman... <laughs> was our best hijink wait we should explain more about the newspaper first maybe we shouldn't i'm i'm not yeah, sure where not. in the story we are <laughs> ben and i left the newspaper at a certain point creative differences well no you left for creative differences i left because i didn't want to do the managing editor role after that semester and so i was i was done uh but uh ben was frustrated because he would frequently he was a copy editor and he would frequently make changes to the copy that they he would point out things that needed to be fixed and then people wouldn't fix them and that's Probably one of the most frustrating things you could do in your life is, like, t- fix other people's typographical errors that they then leave in place. Yeah, that's more frustrating than when somebody would just argue with me that that change shouldn't be made, because then I could have a fun argument with them about it. <laughs> yeah, about the AP style guide. Uh, technically, our house style was based on AP style, but had some differences. <laughs> that's right, it was officially the Campus Time style guide. <laughs> so, at any rate... Oh man, Ben, I forgot about your awesome comics you used to do, the zany puns. You used to do awesome comics in the newspaper. I completely forgot about Green Funnies and, and Zany oh, yeah, Buns. Green Funnies. And whatever that one was, that was just all text. The best one was when you took the old vaudeville jokes and just made them about uh, one of the deans of the university. Yeah, it was stuff like, it sure is cold out. Yeah, I saw a Dean Green with his hands in his own pockets. <laughs> <laughs> it was amazing. It was, like, simultaneously the most harmless and brilliant satire I think I've ever seen. It was... <laughs> and it was difficult for you to find the vaudeville jokes because too many of them are racist. It's like vaudeville jokes are heavily racist. Yeah, it, it was interesting that in that time period they had a lot of rules about like how blue you could work. Like vaudeville performers for most venues couldn't swear much at all, but you could definitely be extremely racist. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, like, sigh. The past is only amusing if you ignore how horrible it was. Yeah, idolizing vaudeville too much is kind of problematic, but. I mean, there are aspects that of one it that kid I in the hall enjoy. sketch. That one kid's in the hall sketch is maybe my favorite sketch comedy thing ever. All right, the bad vaudevillian. Uh, okay, listeners, to find this, you want to just Google kids in the hall vaudeville sketch. I think that'll get it. Yeah. <laughs> I can't even, I won't even ruin it for you guys. Just go check it out. Maybe I'll put uh, a link in the show notes. Yeah, that'll be good. So anyway, Ben and I left the newspaper. Uh, I think separately. We didn't like storm off as a team, but we, we left the newspaper. Uh, and Ben, I think uh, in anger... Or Ben's version of anger, which is which is amusement. I was frustrated that the week after I left it, their next issue was it looked like it had not been copy edited at all, which was odd because they did still have other copy editors there. Yeah. But I later found out what had happened was, well, actually, I asked someone there, I think the editor in chief or maybe the managing editor at the time, what was going on with it, and she said that there had been some issue with the printer and they'd accidentally gotten an older version of the front page, and that was why that looked like it hadn't been added. And so then I asked her if that was also what happened to all the other pages, and then she got mad at me. <laughs> I'm trying, do you, I don't remember who the editor was. I, I don't either. Okay. I mean, basically someone who was justifiably mad at me in that instance. Yeah, you were being a total dick. Yeah. Um, 
but not as much of a dick as when you then decided to start your own it wasn't a rival newspaper that's inaccurate what it was it was a was rival pamphlet a... kind of <laughs> but it was it didn't contain its own information it contained a list of the of the errors in the it was like an errata for the newspaper yeah it was a two-sided sheet just listing typographical and other errors in the current issue of the campus times and it was called the urbane caveman yeah, I would print up and distribute it for free on a bunch of tables in like near where the newspaper stands were. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it sounds so petty when we describe it. It, it was petty. <laughs> yeah. I, it, it was also why. fun. Yes. Uh, good old hijinks. Hmm. I feel like we've probably stretched this out long enough. This is this is more podcast. <clears throat> yeah, and, and it was more fast. fast. Ben, you know what? Wait, so you announced what time we we recorded when we recorded this. So I feel like you should try and get this up like tomorrow or the next day yeah i think i could do that awesome yeah it'll be jumping ahead of a couple others in the queue but that's fine that's fine this yeah. episode is going it's up more m- faster than those yeah this is this is a faster episode than the other ones it beat the other ones out of the out of the out of the gate yeah they we probably should wind it up though so that i can go eat some chinese delivery food okay well then let me say it this way here's here's how i think we should wind it up okay uh i hope somebody has enjoyed some of this episode uh but if not let it be an object lesson that you should uh be careful what you request for or for most of you be careful what other people request for you (laughs) or just make sure you give us more to talk about than that you want the podcast to happen because then we'll actually have like a topic (laughs) i think we covered some interesting stuff here i I think there are listeners who will enjoy this entire thing i mean i know i will and i'm one of our listeners so we at least got that our only our only listener who's bothered to rate us on itunes that's right you're the most involved fan so far that makes it sound really depressing and on that note see you guys or you will hear us next time next time on requestcast requestcast is powered by the requests of listeners like you you can send us your requests on the web at podcast.requestcomics.com or visit our forum at timefan.com. Mm-hmm.